0: Welcome to CareTalk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group.
1: And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentric. So, David, who do we have on deck today?
0: Well, John, it must be a guest from last year because for some reason we've got somebody who's an expert about testing for COVID-19, but we're way past that, John. We're
1: talking about vaccines now. Whoa! whoa. (laughs) It's all done. (laughs) Jason (laughs) Kelly, the CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks, welcome. Um, (laughs) Nice to be on. What, what, what possessed you to name your company Ginkgo Bioworks anyways, and what does that stand for?
2: Well, all right. you know The, the whole theory behind Ginkgo is we're going to make it as easy to program cells as it is to program computers, uh, because at the end of the day, they run on digital code, right? It's TCS and Gs, not zeros and ones, but you can read it and you can write it. And so we think of it like programming, and we wanted to pick an organism that was around, back around the same time as our favorite organisms, the dinosaurs. And ginkgo trees have been around since then. They're a living fossil. They're a few hundred million years old. So that's how we landed awesome. on the ginkgo tree.
1: Awesome. And, and, and are, you, are you creating organisms right now as we speak? Yeah, ginkgo, uh, yeah, we, we uh,
2: to our knowledge, design more synthetic DNA than any other place on Earth. Ah, uh, so we uh, we don't we, we basically you go on your computer, you type A T C G G G, you hit print, uh, and out of the machines at our lab or at partner companies of ours like Twist Bioscience, uh the DNA gets printed, and then we add it to the genome of a cell to make it do something new, kind of like uh, installing an app on your phone or something
1: and, like that. And and I the, you know the. It reminds me of that Isaac Asimov thing that, that what we, we now treat as normal used to be science fiction and what science fiction now will be normal in the future. Is it true that you were quoted as that you're going to turn seaweed into car seats?
2: Seaweed into car seats. That's not, you know, it's, it, anything is possible uh, that I could have been quoted on. I, you know, pro- probably, you know, actually, I'll tell you a thing that just came out um, from a really cool company, uh, a company called uh, Bolt Threads just announced they were going to have a, a partnership with uh, Adidas to, to do mushroom based shoes and so they have these really cool it, it like just came out like two days ago and you see them like grow these giant, like look like giant marshmallows of mushrooms. And then they've, they've turned it into like an, like one of the kind of classic Adidas shoes with Adidas. So.
1: So yeah. David, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into a reference to you and mushrooms. So why don't you ask the next question and get us <laughs> Yeah. Back. Well,
0: John, I'm going to have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more concerned than I was before. I mean, you told me I had this ginkgo guy coming on. I thought we were going to be talking about supplements. Cause I, I use that to <laughs> c- cure my depression and insomnia, et cetera. But no, no, I think, you know, this is quite interesting, obviously, on the synthetic biology. Now, like uh, like everybody else, you've been pulled in the other direction, you know, due to the due to the pandemic, and and testing is one of those things that was just you know just a, a major issue that that you and I know John identified uh, upfront, along with with many others. But maybe we could just roll back a year or so and say, you know, what have been some of the issues since since the start of the pandemic as they relate to testing?
2: Yeah, I mean, so, so just so you know how we got into it, right, like. So Ginkgo's goal, like I said, is to you know program cells like you program computers, and you know just like Google would have cybersecurity or or PayPal would have fraud detection. In the long arc of Ginkgo, we think it's important for us to have biosecurity, uh, because that that is how you're going to enter an era where we can engineer biology broadly in a way that's safe and responsible. And COVID nineteen represents this sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, opportunity uh, to build out biosecurity infrastructure and and so back in march of last year when it was clear this thing wasn't going away we opened our platform up uh we said we'd do 25 million dollars of free work using our infrastructure uh that led to a a project with moderna for example um as well as a a few other folks in the work on raw materials for vaccines uh and then the other area we leaned into was uh testing but not diagnostic testing uh testing uh, for purposes of keeping uh, businesses and schools open, so sort of uh, surveillance-style testing.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think what, what drew uh, Jason and I into kind of founding and co-founding Testing for America, David, is that we have technology available to solve our problem, and that, that, the, that in many ways, the, the first vaccine for the economy and for, for society is really sensible testing, and we had the tools and we didn't invest in it and scale it fast enough. And I think what inter- what's interesting is, you know, one of the biggest social challenges of the last year has been opening and keeping open schools. And Jason and I were involved at TFA, we're involved in keeping a, kept keeping open a historically black college, Delaware State, proving that, you know, a public college could be kept as open and, and, and run in, with, with people actually in class as some of the private schools with all of their endowments. And now Jason... You're leveraging that same synthetic biology technology to keep open schools. You maybe talk a little bit about why testing is the is the is sort of the the infrastructure, and we're all talking about infrastructure these days that we needed to keep schools open, and how how it's working in the public schools that you're working in.
2: Yeah, happy to. Yeah, so, so I, I think the key thing to first realize is, you know, there there is a, a big industry of like diagnostic testing and you know, you get a diagnostic test because you're sick, right? You're like, oh, I think I might have this. and, you, and I, So I'm going to go to my doctor and and get checked up and, and see what's going on with me. And so there's a lot of motivation to go out and get yourself tested. Um, surveillance testing or monitoring testing is it's much closer to like like weather satellites or something, right? Like it, it's a way to know how is the virus spreading around in our communities and are, what are the targeted public health efforts you can make so that you can help contain spread without having to like close the whole place. Because we know that closing the whole place is very socially destructive, right? It hurts the economy. It hurts students, you know, right? Like, like that's the, that's the, that's like your last line of defense. And so in a perfect world, you'd know exactly where the thing was and you'd be like, Hey, let's close that school or Hey, let's just close that classroom because I know that that classroom had a positive case, but keep the rest of the school open. And so the idea is if we had better monitoring, we could be more targeted, which makes life less miserable while we wait for everyone to get vaccinated. And that, that you know, we just haven't needed this. You know, like we haven't had something like this happen since 1918 at this scale. And so we tried first to just throw diagnostic testing at it. And turns out diagnostic tests, you know, no one wants to have something stuck way up their nose uh, once a week as part of their, you know, monitoring efforts. And so you had to develop new technology.
1: And so and that, that's what that. we've been
2: doing the last year yeah, is yeah, just trying to make it easy do. enough. Yeah.
1: And we didn't even have the capacity to do for it for a long
2: time. that's right we didn't yeah. even have t- t- capacity to test sick people for a while, but then that got built up and then and now the now we have enough capacity and so the question is can we run the experiment of using testing to make life more livable while waiting for widespread vaccination and that and that's sort of the the new new
0: opportunity so I guess the thing is you know with with school and trying to get people to do pooled testing. You just have to take advantage of the fact that teenagers love to spit and drool all over the place, and then just sort of somehow <laughs> organize nose, that for testing. But how, how does that work in, in practice? Yeah. I mean, is that do I have it more or less right? Uh, yeah, it's more like picking their nose that that we get to
2: take advantage of. So so yeah, they, so here's the here's the trick. If you want uh, to do testing of every student every week. Uh, you know, once a week in a school, which is is sort of like what resonates with both teachers and parents in our experience, and this is what we're doing in, in statewide in Massachusetts. We're doing it in Baltimore City public schools. We're doing it in Newark. We're doing it in Milwaukee. Th- the, so this, this works in a wide range of places. It needs to be non disruptive to the school day and not require like a healthcare professional to do it. And so what we landed on was a, what we call a classroom pool test, which is the students self collect. All the way down to kindergarten, they put a Q-tip in their nose. It is just like picking your nose, like some of the, the, the school uh, videos, like YouTube videos. to yeah, it's it. you're doing, the, you're doing it something you're doing anyway. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. anyone can do it. And you walk to the front of the room, you put that q tip size swab into a tube. The whole class puts their swabs all together. Teacher just observes. Administrator comes by, closes the tube, puts it in the box, ships it to a lab. Lab runs a PCR test and tests the whole class at once. And it's either no, life goes on as normal or yes, and then you would do a follow-up test to see who in the classroom uh, was the positive case, and you do follow-up mitigation. And so it, it takes less than, you know, it's like eight minutes for a classroom. You can do it once a week very easily. It's inexpensive because it's like 25 tests for the price of one. And, and so that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the strategy. It's a classroom pooled test. And it's working. It's working. We're doing it across, um, I don't know, it's like a, a hundred, hundreds now, I think a thousand schools and, and uh, many students.
1: And what's interesting to me, Jason, really is exciting, is that it's working in urban areas. It's working in public. It's not just a private school elite thing where they've got they've technology. This is an affordable technology. With 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 people just so wanting this vaccine to be done with us, and it, it really isn't. I mean, how important do you think surveillance testing is now and will continue to be you know, based on, you know, what, what's effectively a viral threat that's, you know, that, 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 that doesn't appear to be going away. In fact, it appears to be morphing, whether it's B117, all the different pick your number, pick your, pick, pick your version. Uh, what's the role of surveillance testing? Cause I think the one thing we proved is if you shut down the economy and shut down schools, a lot of people suffer and particularly yeah. those at the lowest, you know, at the, the lowest end of the, of the economic spectrum. What's the role of testing now?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the way to think of it, it is, is it is one piece of like a much better biosecurity infrastructure that we should have on the other side of COVID. And you know, you can you can think of it like we're kind of like unpatched systems, like taking in viral code all the time, you know, right? And and that you know that approach to public health, I think. Uh, we're just going to need to improve. And and so like, I I do think much better monitoring, I think much faster vaccines are the two things that are going to come out of COVID-19 that are going to change completely how we deal with infectious disease in the future. Um, And we've already got the, the rapid vaccine in, you know, like that, that got invested in and proven. And now we're kind of muscling up the supply chain there. I think in the next six to nine months, we get to run the experiment of widespread monitoring to see how well that can work. I think it will, is, is an experiment worth running? Um, so we'll see.
1: Yeah. But I, I think you hit on a really important point. Cause I think there's really a three part strategy. It's improved therapeutics, improved, yes. Thank you. Yeah, and and testing. It's what still happened crazy. with therapeutics, John? Well, you know, they're are continuing to get better. That 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 uh, Regeneron cocktail. Yeah, it's and, and they're figuring out a way to get it into workflow at the appropriate time. And there's and there's other therapeutics behind it. But I think that what the for me what the variants show is that this is not going away. That this that this the taking in un, un, you know this new code uh, or, or really new threats. Yeah. But I, I still worry that there's not an awareness. That we've just had effectively, yeah, I don't buy the China the China story, but effectively a war on our our society delivered through a, 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 a you know a, a biological vector. Um, that if we had surveillance testing, it, as your point, it's, it's part of infrastructure, not just for this this particular virus, but for everything. I think we yeah. would it, it would strengthen our defenses because if you look at the convergence. Of 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 uh, of of man and in the environment and man and technology and 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 bio bio warfare threats. This feels like it should be part of our public health and frankly public security infrastructure.
0: Well, John, let me let me pull you back. On. I know yeah. you've got this China syndrome as usual, but let me pull you back <laughs> into the into the here and now. So you know, I'm hearing great things about the pool testing. You know, in the schools, and I have kids in the Massachusetts uh, schools, public and private. And my understanding is that, you know, there was a real push for this from parents. The states took it on. And obviously, you guys have been helping to make it happen. But now they're actually having trouble getting people to actually participate in it. And they're trying to understand, you know, why, what would it take to get someone to do it? Because the kids are saying, well, I'm not that worried about getting COVID. My parents are vaccinated and I'm kind of sick of it. And I maybe have to show up to school 10 minutes early, which I don't want to deal with. So what's actually kind of going on practically on the ground?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. And it varies by community. So so you have, um, you have to do uh, like, like part, part of it, I'd say it's a little bit less on, on just like people thinking it's like too much time out of their day, you do see a, a question of like, is this collecting, you know, personal information about my kids? Right. You know, um, and, and this is one of the, the areas on that where like the pooled collection actually helps because everybody's getting all put together in one, but you don't know which swab belongs to which person by nature of how you collected it, it actually reduce. We don't even collect the names of the students. It's just, you know, you know, Mr. Smith's class or whatever. And And so, so the, so that, so, but that's one of the bigger concerns. Um, and then you also have, you know, people are just particularly in communities that have been hit very hard by this. Um, you know, they can have a lack of trust in the medical system, lack of trust of, you know, people in a positions of authority and on and on. And so, so there is a lot of, um, uh, an important part of this is public health messaging and engaging with that community and like trying to meet them where they are. So they should be hearing from the teachers. They should be hearing from other parents. They shouldn't be hearing from like a biotech company in Boston, you know? Right. Um, and, and so like getting, getting, you know, leaders on the ground to actually get real experience and feel like they understand and trust the, the platform. And then having them talk to folks in their community, that that's what we're finding works well. Um, but it's a real, it's a big part of this. Like, like don't underestimate you know, half of this is technology and half of this is social, wh- which makes sense because you know, infectious disease spreads by people, you know, right? Like, like, like like half the element of this whole thing, it really is how people respond to interventions. And so, so you got to think about that just as much as the technology. I I think that's, that's true.
1: Yeah. See, David, that's where I think that this tech, this, this notion of it is being kind of part of our, not just public health, but personal health security infrastructure is that we've got to sort of have a different view of this. This is, this is, you know, in a, with zoonotic viruses, viruses that can jump from different species to us we, we are we are going to be dealing with more and more of these threats and that's right i think that what jason's doing is pathbreaking uh around creating that uh, a rationale and an infrastructure that i think is going to be it's going to be essential because i, I suspect that um you know this won't be the 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 only COVID virus. I mean, we're actually seeing these other versions of it are just new new versions of COVID viruses, and there'll be more. And I think that with the right infrastructure, but I but I do think there's basically COVID fatigue, and yeah. I and it, without I, I, some combination of public and private leadership, Jason, I I think it's going to be hard, other than raw fear of the economy yeah. shutting down and schools shutting down. For to keep people to keep people focused on it and keep it, keep keep folks like you to get paid to do it because we're I I think that pool testing of this sort is the new is going to be the new normal if we're going to get this right.
2: Yeah, I I, I I'm I'm like sort of cautiously optimistic for the first time since we got involved with this you know year and a half ago or whatever, John. You know the, the I think we've got you have federal leadership that is supportive of the idea of, of building out this kind of technology for reopening schools. You have a lot of funding that's just gone out to states to support it. Um, and you have, I think, you know, parents and state governments that are motivated to keep schools open, but you have a big unvaccinated population with students and you definitely still have, we still have a pretty, you know, we still have a big outbreak in this country. And so like balancing those things and, and it, like, it is a great opportunity to validate how, um, how how monitoring on a regular basis can be used for containment um I, I think it's really a unique moment um oh the only other thing i um well yeah i guess that's what i would
0: say yeah well john you do as usual a good job of, of painting a nice portrait of the hellscape that's uh that's out there for <laughs> for all of us and i want to know this about is I'm
1: manageable much- david this is manageable you know you got to take more of that ginkgo
0: yeah I, but i take enough that i think I
1: I am the bottle. I, mean, I think what's frustrating to me is we didn't invest in, like, yeah. we didn't overinvest in testing and surveillance and and containment up front because it's it's, it's it's a it's a little bit like we, we 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 like 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 broad spectrum antibiotics that blow out your entire system when when you shut the economy down. Yeah. We really couldn't target, contain, target, contain, heal. Uh, uh, you know, care for our, our our country, and I think that's going to be the, the 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 new model. And I and I think what you know Jason and I have been brainstorming about is how do how do we get people from a public health and a national security perspective dialed in there? Because um, the technology that he is adopting and applying to the private sector, other countries are using in both their national defense, their research, and their public health infrastructure, and winning that race. And part of that is is, key, is building up our capabilities here um, is, is going to actually, I think, what, what's going to drive economic success in the 21st century. I think biology is going to be one of the big vectors um, with, with synthetic biology, with uh, big data and AI, where countries are going to, and you see it in China's massive investments in their biotech infrastructure, Jason. I don't know whether you want to speak to that. Yeah. But In addition to being public health oriented, it's also going to drive the economy.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's right. And the other thing I, w- I would say, John, is, is the the other thing COVID has taught us is that biology doesn't respect borders, right? And so if the U.S. is thinking about building out biosecurity, which I think would be wise, um, considering just the, like, very o- obvious national security risk associated with 30,000 letters of RNA over the last year. Uh, and, and so if you're going to build U.S. biosecurity, it's global biosecurity right? Like there is no such thing as like just US biosecurity. And so I think the US should take this opportunity, particularly in the next year, like, help other countries out like, like, you know, yes, yes, like we should be the vaccine manufacturing plant for the world. Yes, we should be developing the types of technologies for monitoring and like the global weather satellites for live, you know, uh, uh, for infectious disease, right? Like, of course, you know, like this is what the US does, right? And, and so, so I think there is a unique moment for us. And, and with this administration, I think there's a chance they lean into it over the next year to build all that. Uh, we absolutely should. We should.
0: So, on, t- the, on the near, on the kind of on the near term thing here. So, John, you're going, you're going to China. You're going to uh, five years from now. I'm, I'm World, having a hard time tracking World,
1: World War seven. <laughs> no, but I'm trying to
0: figure out, John, like, okay, we're going to get the schools reopened. Well, guess what? The summer's coming. What what's what's going to happen in the summer? We're going to go around to the beach and figure out who's you know who's positive on the beach. Has what does how does the pool testing work uh, for that?
1: Well, I th- I think it comes back to the social p- aspect that and and that Jason touched on is do we have leadership that pays attention to public health and thinks more than you know one one Twitter cycle ahead? And with that, locally and nationally, I think we've I I do think that 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 p- private and public union uh, t- teachers, leaders, conservative, we do now understand that we have had a threat and it has hurt us. And I think turning that into action and, and to Jason's point, there's a huge economic opportunity, but it's found foundationally, we're only going to reopen the economy and keep it open and schools. If we've got, if we continue to build out this infrastructure, that's the lesson of the last six to 12 months. And so I'm, I'm actually quite, quite, uh, uh, I'm probably uh, modestly optimistic as well on that, but I think understanding the threat and the opportunity uh, is what's going to get us there because viruses, I mean, you look at Michigan right now, Yeah, uh, you're seeing explosions, micro explosions of the virus. It's unclear why. Um, and I don't know whether Jason, you've got any experience in the pool testing in those schools, but they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're really suffering right now. They, they don't have enough. Uh, I think they've got enough, uh, therapeutics, but they're really suffering from just, uh, just, uh, they're, well, and then you're starting
2: to see places, yeah. close schools again, right? Like, yeah. like this is what's going to happen. You know, like, like th- th- this is my, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, um, David, to, you know, answer your question. I, I think schools are actually kind of a unique organ in society in the sense that they cross cut everybody. Right. And so, so like, I actually think they're like kind of centers of like community or public health, like, you know, like, like they're unique in that respect. And so, So
0: uh,
2: they're like, really, like, it's, it's, it's like an unappreciated thing. But like, if you actually start regularly doing monitoring in the schools, it's, it like helps keep the schools open. It helps, you know, keeps kids safe. And it also like gives you, if you're a public health department in a state, it gives you awareness of what's going on. Right. And, and so, so like that,
1: that is, uh, it's your public health dashboard, David. I mean, David, are you tracking?
0: John, I got a question for Jason. So there's a lot of money involved here now. Jason, when no one was looking, you guys borrowed. Let's just round it down to a billion dollars from yeah. Uncle Sam. Now, this is, I think, in the same tranche as when Kodak had to give his money back. But you guys were <laughs> legitimate. So That's you're going right. to pay it back? What are, you, what are you doing with it? We're talking about like, global biosecurity infrastructure. You know, what's, what's, what's going on? In all seriousness, we've put some uh, investment. We've got something riding on you guys.
2: Yeah yeah yeah. So yeah, so we got approved uh for a loan from the Development Finance Corp, DFC. Uh as part of it, it, it's actually the first time there was an executive order last summer that allowed DFC to to provide loans to US companies for the first time. It's it's been an international development organization in the past. Um and so and so we yeah, we were one of the first uh, folks to be approved uh and the idea is it's earmarked for this type of uh, bios, like building up biosecurity infrastructure in the U S and also like supply chain surety. So, and I'm like the work we've been doing in particular around, uh, vaccine supply chains, that's, that's what we're going to earmark a lot of it for. No,
0: yeah. I actually have a question about that one. So on the, you know, we talked mostly about testing here. You mentioned up front that you had done some work uh, in terms of, um, you know, vaccine, uh, development and there's been, you know, really a terrific number of vaccines that, um, Manufactured at this point, and it's notable that even with J and J out of the picture uh, for the moment, that you know the Pfizer um, and the Moderna vaccines have really scaled up, and you have some role in that. And I, w- I would like to hear just a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, so so the the, sh- the short answer to this, you know, the challenge around uh, nucleic acid vaccines. So the exciting thing is they are fast, and so like developing a new one is just a matter of you know getting a new sequence for a variant, synthesizing some DNA, putting it through a process that you know, Moderna or Pfizer, and you can get a new vaccine out pretty quick with this technology. That That's really exciting. The downside was they'd never been made at, at scale, you know, like a new type of vaccine technology. So uh, trying to produce hundreds of millions of doses, like the supply chain had gaps all over the place. And so what we've been doing is just finding places where we can be relevant to that. So the, t- the two big categories are basically Um, anybody who is like doing a, like a fermentation, like where you grow bacteria up to produce the DNA, we can help optimize that fermentation. So you grow the cells better, you get more DNA out. Uh, and then the second area is turning DNA into RNA. You need all these like enzymes to do that. And those enzymes are in short supply. And so working on better ways to make those in the future so that the cost for mRNA vaccines goes down, capacity goes up. And you can maybe get these out to, you know, countries that aren't just the U.S. Uh, um, over time is, is where we see opportunity. So.
1: But, but, but I mean, that, but those vaccines, David, I think really make the point about why Ginkgo, what Ginkgo and what Jason's doing is so, is so exciting. I mean, they, with the genetic code of the virus laid out, uh, within 48 days, we had a design for an mRNA vaccine that would work, that we could literally program to find, solve and 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 cure uh, the body of this for this virus. It's it's pretty remarkable that we can now. Yeah, uh, it's
2: code uh, as drugs, right? Like yeah. uh, in, in Moderna, you yeah. know, uh, they talk about it that way, right? They're like, yeah. The, the the beauty of it is their drug is encoded in the RNA, and you put new code, you get new drugs. Like that that's a it is a really exciting development. And and honestly, like you, no one would have ever pegged it at the efficacy it ended up hitting. Like, like that, you know, before this whole thing started
1: that, that no was, one just, was betting. Everybody was betting against bio Correct. Like that, that, that was, the, the, yeah. it is again, it Is a, it is a bio, it's a, it's a biopharma company that was using the technologies that Jason's used, why he's focused on corn versus people. Jason, you got to explain that to me at some other point um, yeah. Yeah. To, at, at, to, mm-hmm. really, to, to really, to truly create the drugs that can, that, that use, using the same tools, the things that are making us sick to make us, to make us heal and programming it. It's, yeah. it's really amazing.
0: Well, John, I've had all my questions answered uh, today, and I'm going to rest easy that COVID somnia or whatever they're calling it is now <laughs> cured uh, for me as well as any, uh, any, any lingering or uh, approaching uh, virus. So I'm going to say thank you. Uh, to Jason Kelly from Ginkgo and Testing for America, and John Driscoll from wherever you're you're from. I'm David Williams, <laughs> president of Health <laughs> Business
1: Group, and, and, and I'm John Driscoll. Jason, it has been a joy to connect on this and focus on something. That I, I still think, while we're modestly optimistic, we still need to be make yeah. out of the point that this is an essential element. But you've gave, gave, gave us gave, given us a reason uh, to to be confident that uh american technology can still win even if it's even if, it, if it's beyond most people's imagination so thank you for that um uh, uh i'm john driscoll the ceo of CareCentrics. thank you jason and if you if you like what you've heard or you haven't please tell us